Doug, thank you so much. Danny DeVito. A lot of people don't even know you go to our church. I'm just kidding. This is you have insurance? This is, <laughs> is it, is it this is Rich current? Peppy, and he is actually one of my former neighbors. Mm-hmm. The first time I met you, you came over and helped me shovel my driveway. That's right? one of the first, yeah. Yeah, and then I invited you to a party. Do you remember what you brought me as a, as a host gift? Um, a 50-gallon drum of vodka, I it think was it was. It was the biggest bottle of Grey Goose I've ever seen in my life. And I remember right there I asked you to marry me. Yep, <laughs> yeah. yes, you but, did. So so it's been great getting to know you and having you as a neighbor. But I want to talk to you about uh, you guys, how you came to know each other, and just the journey that God is taking you guys on together. So, Doug, let's start with you. How, mm-hmm. did, how did you guys get to know each other? So, uh, Brennan, when he was 15, our oldest, um, he had this friend who was a girl. As they approached 16, man, they started dating, and I realized, wow, this girl's father is a a New York Italian Catholic. I'm in trouble. Just a translation of what Doug just said. (laughs) That dinner was all about what did I have to do to protect my daughter and how much time did I have to spend on the range or in the gym. Turns out he's Canadian, so not that much. Uh, But anyway, so we were looking for a church. And then lo and behold, we we meet the strides, and we were just talking about it in general. Um, Had a great time with them, and they asked us to come check out Hope at Morrisville. The first time we went there, um, you know, turned the corner, and there's this guy with a goofy smile and a Mickey Mouse hand, and I'm like, let's just turn (laughs) around. This is not for us either. (laughs) Let's just turn around. But we, you know, we came in, really enjoyed the message. It was a pretty good environment. And the thing I think that sealed it for us was the next week uh, on Saturday, our kids were like, hey, we're going to church tomorrow. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. So after the message just out, out in the atrium, I said, hey, we've got this small group that meets every other Sunday evening. It's, it's couples around our age, you know, kids around our age. Come try it out. No pressure. If you don't like it, you know, don't feel bad about not coming back. But they came that night. <laughs> so from, yeah, so actually from that point forward, they've been a regular part of our small group. A big difference with Hope was that, as you said, you know, getting into the small group, we got to talk about real life things that were going on for both of us and it was nice having another man's perspective it takes a lot for me to do something like this but it is worth it and you know when you get out of your shell and you talk to other people you start hearing about some of the common stuff that's going on you realize number one you're not alone number two you're not the only one making stupid mistakes and then you know it it helps you to kind of rationalize what you are doing what you've been through and sort of the things that you that you know you should do and to move towards that. So I would I would encourage it absolutely. It's been great for me. That's the way God designed it. You guys are just an example of how it works. And I, what I want people to really understand, this is not a program. This is not mm-hmm. like it starts at this time. These are the six questions. It's just a relationship. So mm-hmm. thank you guys for opening up and sharing with us this weekend. I love both of those guys, man. Rich is, he's just a lot of fun to be around, as you can tell. I am so excited to be with you today, and I've got to tell you, I didn't have a whole lot of faith this morning that you were coming. I mean, what a gorgeous day outside. But you came, and I want to thank you for that. And I, I, you know, I was a bit afraid I was going to be up here just speaking to an empty room. But I know the reason you came is because you love this church, right? I love this church. My family and I, man, we've been here now at Hope for four years. We love being a part of what God is doing in this church and through this church. And if you're watching online, we just want to welcome you and thank you for taking some time out of your day to join us. But I am so excited to be able to share with you guys today. But I got to tell you, 
When Mike first came to me and said, Doug, I want you to share about your relationship with Rich Peppy, I said, ah, Mike, I don't know that that's a great example of discipleship. And Mike said, well, wait. So you guys invited them to Hope. You invited them to small group. You and Rich meet for breakfast now and then. So, so what am I missing? I said, well, yeah, but I didn't really plan any of that. It just kind of happened. And Mike looked at me and said, Doug, that's the point. Natural, life on life. And Mike has been challenging us in this series about the power of a natural life on life discipleship relationship. In the first week, Mike showed us from Acts 18 how Paul intentionally got involved in the lives of Priscilla and Aquila, and they in turn uh, discipled Apollos. And then last week, Mike shared with us six principles of a discipleship relationship. And if you haven't been here for the last couple weeks, please get online and watch those messages. Mike has been on fire. It's awesome. Now, in this series, we have defined discipleship as an informal, behind-the-scenes character training experience or character training relationship. And I was fortunate to have that kind of relationship when I was a college student. So going into my third year as a college student, I met a new prof. He had just moved his family from Canada to our church or to our college in Minnesota. Dave Peaty is his name. Now, Dave is a Canadian married to an American. I'm Canadian. I was already dating Dawn, an American, so we had that in common. So I, I started watching this guy, and I realized very quickly, this, this guy's special. He's incredibly talented, a wonderful worship leader, a great musician, a very gifted songwriter, but he wasn't full of himself. He was fun to be around. He was just easygoing. He was real. He was open and honest. And so I found myself just hanging out after class just to get to know him some more. And it wasn't long before Dave and I became really good friends. At the end of that school year, Don and I got married, and Dave and his wife Debbie continued to pour into our lives. They would invite us out. They would invite us over to their house for Thanksgiving because we didn't have any family in the area. Uh, we would go and stay at times with their children for the weekend so they could get away. Over the next three years, we did life together, life on life. And I learned so much from Dave Petey. He has had so much impact on my life. Dave has a passion and a hunger for God's word that is so contagious. Dave modeled unconditional love for his wife and family time and time again. That was so good for me as a young guy to see. Dave taught me that real men can be worshipers and can be passionately in love with Jesus Christ. Dave was comfortable with the mysteries of God. He didn't feel like he had to have all the answers to my crazy questions. Dave and I shared so many triumphs together in life, but we also shared very openly about our deep struggles. Well, that was 20 years ago now, and in the last 20 years, we've lived in very different areas, but Dave is still the guy I call when life gets messy. I remember in 2009, I hit a low point in ministry, in life, I was... I was feeling burnt out in ministry, didn't know if, you know, I needed to take up a different calling or just get out of ministry. I was struggling emotionally with depression. So I called Dave. I said, would you mind if I just come out to Minneapolis, spend a few days together? He's like, no, come on out. And I tell you, God used him to minister to me where I was at. I mean, he, you know, just, we just did life together for a few days, but it was so therapeutic for me, and it helped get me back on track. And here's the thing. We all need relationships like that in our lives. 
We all need that. We weren't born to be islands. So obviously I've been thinking about Dave a lot. So I gave him a call earlier this week. And we were talking, just catching up. And I stopped and I said, Dave, you know that you're still the most significant mentor I've ever had in my life. He stopped me mid-sense. He said, Doug, are you just trying to tell me you love me? I said, yes, Dave, you know I love you. And by the way, Dave was one of the first guys outside of my father that ever told me that he loved me. I know men don't do that kind of thing, but we should do that kind of thing. It's very empowering. And uh, so Dave, I told Dave, yes, I love you. But as I've been thinking about our relationship, I got I to gotta ask you a question. How did you pick me out of the crowd? How did you decide to mentor me? Dave said, Doug, you still don't get it. I never saw myself as your mentor. We were brothers. I wasn't above you. In fact, I learned as much from you as you learned from me. And so I told him I was going to be speaking this weekend, asked him if he would pray for me, and he said, I will as long as you pray for me. I said, what's going on? He said, I'm in Texas this week. I'm about to lead worship for a a spiritual emphasis days at a Christian college. I'm 58 years old. I don't know if I still connect with college students the way I used to. I said, man, Dave, you are such an awesome worship leader. You've got this. Just make sure you wear your skinny jeans and everything will be fine. (laughs) Well, the Mike's point in this series, our relationship was informal. It was behind the scenes. But I learned so much. I was so discipled. But it was intentional. And here's what I want us to see today. Discipleship takes initiative. It takes somebody reaching out. And in my relationship with Rich, that actually happened when he took the initiative. He was the one to invite us to dinner. And I was kicking myself, thinking, man, I put it off too long. I had said to Dawn, my wife, a few times over the last month or two, we got to get together with this family. Brennan and Angela are hanging out a whole lot more. I want to see, meet her parents, you know, all of that. But I waited, and now I had to meet him on his turf. So I was a little intimidated going over to the house, but we had a great time that evening with him and his wife, Chris, and he asked me what I do for a living. Well, when you work full-time for a church, it's kind of obvious where you stand in faith, and I wanted to invite them to church, and I did at the end of that evening, but it was was intimidating, even for me as a pastor, because as I got to know him, I, I realized that they had been disenfranchised from church for many years. Many years earlier, they had been hurt, their family had been hurt from a church, and I didn't know if they were ready to get re-engaged in a formal church setting, but I took that step. God gave me the boldness to take that step, but it was intimidating because he's ex-Navy, he's an Italian, New Yorker, the kind of guy who's got a guy, (laughs) if you know what I mean. The trunk in his Audi is really small, but let's face it, I'm not a big guy. I didn't want to end up there. You know, seriously, though, taking that first step, taking the initiative, making that first ask, it can, it can be intimidating. But there's a few biblical truths over the years that have begun to sink into my life that have helped spur me on to be willing to take the initiative. I wanted to share that with you today. The first is this. This matters. Discipleship matters. So taking the initiative to invite someone into a relationship matters. And that little phrase, this matters, that is a part of my self-talk. I mean, me, myself, and I, we can have long, heated discussions many days. There's days I have to talk myself off the ledge. There's days I have to talk myself into doing something that I know is important, but I've been dragging my heels on. I'll just say, Doug, this matters. 
Get after it. And evangelism matters. Discipleship matters. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. If you don't have your Bible with you, then just follow along on the side screens. If you don't own a Bible, we'd love to send you home with one. Stop by our Next Steps counter, and we'd be happy to give you one. So here in Mark 16, Jesus says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now those are really tough words to hear. They are black and white. But you may be sitting there thinking, well, it says preach the gospel, so I'm off the hook. That's up to Mike. That's up to you, pastors. But that word there, preach, means proclaim. And it's true, there are times where we proclaim in a large venue like this, but it mostly happens in the context of life on life as we share one with another what God has done in our lives. And Donnie Peters preached a great message a few weeks ago helping us to effectively understand our story and to share that story with others of what God has done. And then look at Jesus' words in John fourteen six. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Those words have haunted me for years. Now, I've grown up in church. I went to Bible college. But I still have to regularly ask myself, do I believe Jesus? Do I believe his words? Do I honestly believe in our pluralistic world that Jesus Christ is exclusively the hope for our world? Because if I believe that, which I do, then eternity is at stake. So, yeah, this matters. And the older I get, the more I believe that, the more convicted I am. You know, I identify with the words of this Sarah Grove song. She says, what a relief it is to know that I'm a slave to Christ. Of all the masters I have known, I'm compelled to live this life free for you. I have a new hope that blows away the small hopes I knew before. And at the end of the day, I am yours. And I am compelled. I am drawn and driven. I am compelled. You have written it on my heart. I'm compelled. You live in me, and I can't help myself. You know, as I go through life, I realize I am seriously messed up. I am broken. Daily, I need the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. He is my hope. But I've had the opportunity with my family to live in Uganda for almost eight years. Uh, now, as the Global Hope Director, I get to travel to different countries, uh, different cultures. And regardless of the country, the culture, the religion, I see a hopelessness around the world. A hopelessness of people trying to find peace, trying to earn some kind of peace with their God. We can't do that. I'm convinced Jesus is the hope of the world. But here's the thing, that conviction in and of itself, it didn't actually free me up to begin to take that initiative more. It actually piled on the pressure. I began to feel guilty, like I had to try to make something happen, it was up to me, until I realized this truth. God desires this more than I do. Look at what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And then 2 Peter 3.9, Peter says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. These verses have freed me up from feeling like this is up to me. It's not up to me. It's not up to you. This was God's idea. These verses is God's invitation to me 
I am a part of the all. You are a part of the all. He desires to have personal relationship with us. But these verses also remind us that this is an invitation for us to join God's mission in evangelism and discipleship. And you know, it's not always a difficult thing. There's so many times that God will just lob a softball that I have to be blind not to take a swing at it. And that's what it was like with Rich Pepe and his family. God just set it in front of me. All I had to do, all we had to do was invite. And God took care of the rest. So who's that person in your life? Who is your Rich Pepe? Is it a coworker? Is it a student in one of your classes? Is it one of your neighbors? Who is that person that God has brought into your life for his purpose? And you know, if you think of that name right now, I encourage you, just write it down and begin to pray for that person. Here's the thing, when I've begun to journey with somebody in discipleship, whether that's inviting them for the first time to church or whether that's inviting a, a Christ follower into a, different, into a, diff, a deeper discipleship relationship, I've always seen something else. God is already at work. He's already at work behind the scenes and sometimes not even behind the scenes. That was the case with Rich. God was already at work in his life. So have very little to do with what I said had very little to do with who I am. I mean, I certainly didn't impress him, and he think, oh, wow, he's an impressive guy. I got to go to his church. No, God was drawing him back to the church experience. So God was already at work. And in my relationship with Rich, it wasn't always me who's taken the initiative. I remember one evening I was texting the guys in my small group, said, hey, you guys want to get together for breakfast? And uh, most of the guys weren't available, so I just texted, no problem, let's try again next week. And Rich texted me, who cares if those losers can't get together for breakfast? He's like, let's you and I meet. And I'm kicking myself again going, are you serious, Doug? You're supposed to be the mature Christ follower. And here's this guy initiating this, taking the initiative, you know? So it's not always us who takes the initiative. The thing is, you never know how God is at work in someone else's life, but we all have the opportunity to be a part of that. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 to 7. What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. In other words, Paul can't take credit for what was happening in the church at Corinth. Apollos can't take credit. Mike Lee can't take credit. Doug Stride can't take credit. Only God can take credit and receive the glory for what he is doing in someone else's life. But we get to journey along with him if we choose to. It's like Mike said last week, a discipleship relationship is a God thing, not a you thing, not a me thing. You know, I realized this early on in... In my relationship with Rich, I remember we were going to meet one morning, just the two of us for breakfast. Mike had just preached that last weekend on giving, just challenging us to become more generous toward God. So as I was driving to Panera that morning to meet Rich, I remember praying, God, give me the words to say to navigate this tricky topic of giving. I mean, I want to challenge this guy just through how you've challenged me and my family to get involved in generosity. I want that for him. So we get to breakfast, and I said, hey, Rich, how's home? He said, good. But I got to tell you, we had a very interesting discussion on Sunday afternoon when we got home from church when I told my wife, we're going to start giving to hope. I about fell off my chair. I said, wait, what? He said, yeah, 
I told Chris, if we're going to do this God thing, we're going to do it. I don't want to sit on the fence anymore. He said, if the Bible says we're supposed to give, we're going to give. And I thought to myself, God, are you just jacking me around? I mean, this seems too easy. And then a few weeks later, there was a challenge to serve. Now, most weekends are special events. You can find Rich out at the Morrisville campus serving as a part of the security team or manning one of our cameras as a part of the tech team or out in the parking lot with his son, Rick, serving as roadies. I mean, if there's a hole, Rich will fill it. I tease him, and I tell him he's still trying to earn his salvation through good works. But I know that's not the case. The truth is God is at work in his life God is at work in his family's life, and God has given me and my family the privilege, the honor of being a part of their journey. Now, I wish it was this easy all the time. It's not. There's going to be times where people will will reject you. They will reject your invitation, but don't shy away from taking the initiative and then leave the results to God. Well, at the beginning of this series, Mike started with this scripture from Matthew 28, 19 where Jesus says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You know, I love our vision as a church. Reach the triangle and change the world. And you know, this this series on discipleship has really been about reaching the triangle one life at a time. If each one would reach one, man, we saw last week in that short little video what could happen as this movement multiplies around the triangle and around the world. We also have the awesome opportunity to be a part of the Great Commission of making disciples around the world through the global partnerships that God has brought our way. And that looks different with different partners or different countries. Like, for instance, two and a half years ago when we were able to plant Agape Church with Pastor John Aleeks down in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. They are now averaging 900 people on a Sunday. And over, 20, or over 60% of their congregation is under the age of 25 That's amazing because that's the average age in Haiti. So that church is reaching and discipling the next generation of Haitian leaders. And we get to be a part of that. It's awesome. Each year we get to send out global hope teams to different countries to serve with our our global partnerships in in the communities that God has called them to. By the end of this year, we will have sent 125 people on 12 different teams to six different nations. And I love that. I love that, but we need to do even more of that. Sometimes it's medical teams going to Haiti or construction teams going to Uganda or a police team going down this last February to Costa Rica to help train police with Tactica or this trip I was a part of with my son earlier this summer. That's Garrison and I on the end there. Six students or middle school students from here at Hope, all soccer players with six parents. We went down to be a part of a soccer clinic in Nicaragua that our partner Sunika was putting on. And then we were able to send over 30 high school students out uh, down to Agape earlier. And actually, right there in the middle is Rich Pepe's daughter, Angela. And my son is the tall, curly blonde in the back. They were able to be a part of that trip. And they were able to minister to over 700 kids at the kids' camp at Agape this summer. God did some great things. And just two weeks ago today, I arrived back from Hyderabad, India, with this group of ragtag guys. Henry Gruby and a bunch of guys from here at Hope, most of these guys are carpenters, handy with tools, and our partner over in Hyderabad said, hey, we need a a group of men to come over and just build some cabinet doors, some closet doors for our children's homes, our orphanage homes. We were able to go over and be a blessing in that way as, as a part 
of the bigger plan of what God is doing there. And over the years, we've been able to partner with Jim Hawking and with others to provide clean water solutions to communities. And it's not just to meet a physical need. It's as a bigger part of what God is doing. I want you to watch this video. When we first went into El Porvenir, no one really believed that we were going to do what we were saying we were going to do. They didn't know us. And so we really had to be present in the community all the time to get to know them, to develop confidence and relationship with them, to where that turned into trust. And then that trust turned into now a successful project. Now they don't have to walk down to a well and turn a hand pump for an hour and then walk back to their house a kilometer to get water. They just turn on their house and they believe in the success of a sustainable water project. Because it's proof, right? It's our first big success. We can point to it and say, hey, we've done this before. This is not an unproven concept. We can, we can do this. And that's a beautiful thing. So as we go through this next project, as we head into San Carlos, we can take the community from San Carlos, we can take them for a visit in El Porvenir and say, hey, look, this is the system that is a possibility for your community. La cosa es que por, digamos, por toda la, la faja de, de San Carlos, ¿eh? por toda la faja hay problemas. It's pretty much done. They're, the hand-dug well is actually, they use the PVC to set the well. Once it's in there, you can't really take it out. So once that PVC breaks, you're done. Right now, they don't have anything. They don't have any clean water here. There's nothing here. Entonces, hay una preocupación porque las aguas van para abajo. De aquí unos 10 años. ¿Por dónde vamos a estar con el agua? Claro. De aquí en tres años, no, agua no va a haber. Claro. Con los pozos también no es que se secan en el verano. En el verano se secan más. Que está contaminado, dicen, del... Y hay muchos que han muerto solamente de los riñones. Hasta los niños, hasta los niños chiquitos, sí, ¿ves? Con infección en los riñones. El médico dice de que tengo infección renal. Mm. Eso no tiene cura. Solamente, solamente Dios, que es el que lo puede hacer todo. En esta hora, Señor, nos estamos presentando delante de tu presencia, bendito Dios. Yo te suplico, papá, por, por la comunidad de San Carlos, Señor, que ellos paguen el costo, Señor, para que ellos puedan ten, obtener el agua, Padre Santo. Aleluya. Listening to him pray a prayer for his community to get clean water for the first time. I just broke down and I was kind of bent over and I, I remember watching a tear fall out of my eyes and hit the ground. And, and that's a prayer that I couldn't imagine having to pray for myself. Eh, una gran cosa. Una gran cosa tener un, el agua potable en nuestros hogares porque nunca Nunca lo hemos tenido. Seas tú, Padre mío, bendiciendo, Señor, a los hermanos que están fuera del país, aquellos que van a trabajar, Señor, aquellos que van a pedir, Padre Santo, 
para traer, Señor, este proyecto que hacen Carlos y alquilar, bendito Dios, aleluya. En el nombre de Jesús, Padre, yo te lo he pedido, Señor, conforme a tu voluntad, Señor, Padre Santo, aleluya. Amén y Amén. Well, I am very excited for you to be able to meet Alan Wilster from Sunica. Many of you already know Jim. Alan, we have been developing this partnership with you over the last two years. Tell us a little bit more about Sunica. Yeah, I'd love to do that, Doug. So it makes sense to just lead in with our mission statement, which is to make disciples of Jesus through clean water, education, and mentorship. And because you guys have seen a good bit about our clean water work up here on the screen, I'm just going to jump right into the education piece of what we do. Mm -hmm. So we, the way we fund this is through child sponsorship. And in, in Nicaragua and a lot of developing countries, really, kids just have a hard time getting to school. Mm -hmm. And there's just simple financial reasons for that. Uh, school supplies, uniforms, backpacks. I mean, folks in North America even complain about the cost of those things sometimes. So for, for Nicaraguans, like these can be a total cost inhibitor for kids to go to school. So we quite simply just make those things available. Uh, school supplies, uniforms, backpacks. And then we also do some really uh, hard work on the back end to make sure those kids stay in school. Because as a 15-year-old guy in Nicaragua, you can get out into the sugarcane fields and, and just start working. And once, once you're a man and you're in the fields working... But you feel like you need a woman. And so what are they going to do? They're going to go find a 15-year-old gal. And then the next thing you know, she's pregnant. And then her, her school years are over. So we work really hard to fight that, that kind of nasty culture. Mm -hmm. And tell us about the uh, mentorship that you guys do as well. Yeah, so we, we call that our discipleship program. We've wrestled with calling it our mentorship program, but we want to call it our discipleship program because it's important for us that we just let everybody know that we're about making disciples of Jesus, and that's, like, super important. So the way we pull this off with all these same kids that we sponsor for education is we bring in uh, college-aged Nicaraguans who are really solid in the gospel. They understand salvation by grace through faith alone. And they come in and they'll do like just fun games with our kids. Just play, be kids. And then they'll break out and do like maybe two to three kids to the same leader every week. And they'll do a Bible study right there in the school. And that's cool that we can, get, we can pull that off in Nicaragua. We couldn't do that in the United States, yeah. but we can do it in NICA, and we take full advantage. Uh, there was a slide up a moment ago. I think uh, this is uh, Hector. He's one of our leaders, and he's actually doing a Bible study with a kid named Roberto. Um, but let's just imagine for a second that, they were, that Hector's working on homework with that kid. So that scene would look just like that. And you could say, oh, well, that's education happening because he's tutoring the kid. He's, and that's in the education bucket. I could look at that same moment and say, you know what? To me, that's a discipleship moment. Because what he's telling that kid in that moment is you matter. And who can really tell us that we matter uh, except for our creator God alone? Yeah, that's great. Uh, I wanted to share with you guys that because of your generosity over the last couple years through the Unleashed campaign, we've been able to help support Sunika on a monthly basis. And we were just able to give them $20,000 toward their goal of $100,000, which they met for this next water project. Yeah. Thank you. So that 
that awesome guy's prayer in that video um, is being answered in part because of your generosity. And so that's so great. Um, Alan, how can we continue to be involved? Yeah, right now we're trying to fund our sponsorship program. Um, and so you can sponsor a kid. You can do that at the table. Go see my lovely wife, Casey. Uh, that would be awesome. You can also, if you want to just support our work in general, you can buy one of these fancy Camelback, or sorry, yeah, Camelback water bottles. And so all those proceeds will go to us as well. It's a really nice water bottle. Works beautifully. You put water in it, put it up to your mouth, and you get hydrated. So That's awesome. Well, if you've been here for any length of time, this is a familiar face. Our good friend, I call him Indiana Jim. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't have his bull whip with him. He does own one. But uh, Jim, we've been partnering together with you for 12 years now, and some incredibly exciting things are happening in the Central African Republic. Uh, give us an update. Yes, they are. Thank you, Doug. And uh, what has been happening is we finally finished a three-year war, and the civil war is over. We have had an election. Um, there were actually 30 people running, but the man who won the election is a good friend of mine that I've had a Bible study with, that I've prayed with. Um, president Faustin Todera is now our president, and uh, he is a believer. He's a strong believer, a man of integrity. So basically, we have a huge opportunity right now to work with the leadership of the country and help change the course of the Central African Republic, help them understand that we're not just concerned about water, we are concerned about the beliefs of the people in the village. And there are tons of people who still do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, still follow their animism still are not really understanding who Jesus is, and that's what we want to do. Yeah, what's really exciting about that, I was saying to Jim that it's almost as if God has allowed them to go from just discipling individuals and providing water for communities to actually being involved in what I believe the Great Commission says is discipling nations. Because of his 30-plus years in CAR, People there, government there, trusts him. They know him. They love him. And now you get to have impact in a nation. Like, that is so cool. And Jim was telling me last night, as many people as live in Raleigh have been provided clean water in the CAR through these projects in the last 12 years. That's incredible. And we've been a part of that. No, this is even better. We've been a part of that. Over the last 12 years, we as Hope, again, because of your generosity, we have been able to give over $1 million to what God is doing in the CAR. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I don't think we've even begun to scratch the surface of what's possible when we really begin to grasp a vision of what God wants to do in and through this church here in the Triangle and around the world. Well, Jim, how can we continue to be involved? Well, there's a number of ways. Um, just continue to pray for us and pray for our maintenance teams that travel all around the country. If you would pick up a brochure out there, we have a new brochure out that will tell you a little bit about what's been happening, about our drill team that has been working down, Marceline African Drilling. It will also tell you where to go to be able to make a donation. Sign up on our website for the newsletters. We really would like to stay in touch with you, and we can't do that if we don't have some kind of an email address. So please sign up for that. And the third thing is, if you want to sponsor a village for their well, we work with one village for five years. And during that time, we try and help them understand how to build their economic structure in the country to be able to pay for their own well. Mm -hmm. We want them to own that well and to mm -hmm. take care of that pump. 
and they have to learn how to do that. They've never had to do that before. So you can help us help them begin to build their economic structure in their village. They have a well committee. They've established a wealth committee. They've invested in the well drilling. Now we need them to invest in the continued maintenance. We've been taking care of these wells for now 12 years. They trust us. They understand that we can't be there forever, and there are other wells we're drilling. We're going to have to take care of more people, yep, yep. so we want to help them. We're now taking care of over a half a million people, just like here in Raleigh, in the Central African Republic. We need you to help us continue to expand that work. Yeah, that's great. Um, Jim has also been doing some consulting over the last few years for other missionaries and organizations that are involved in clean water solutions. So I was able to take you down to Nicaragua to meet these guys and see what they're doing and see their first water project. What did you experience? I experienced a team of Nicaraguans working together with the leadership of the country, reaching their people for Jesus Christ, discipling them, working with the kids, just going out and building a structure that reached the poorest of the poor. You heard about the, these poor people working in the sugarcane fields, mm -hmm. and these people were being reached with water and the gospel on a daily basis. And it's really incredible to watch that. I was really, really encouraged because I saw Alan working with the Nicaraguans, not with just expats, but working with the Nicaraguans. Yeah, Alan, what, was that, what did that mean to you guys? Oh, it was huge for us uh, because I saw Jim on you guys' website years ago, like when Sunika was just kind of in our imagination. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought, man, I've seen that guy before. And then I went and found him on Charity Waters' website doing work for them. And I thought, man, this, is guy, this guy's like the rock star. He's like uh, the godfather of sustainable clean water work. And, uh, and I didn't know that years later he's going to actually come check out our work in Nicaragua. And so I was kind of nervous because I'm kind of thinking, I don't know, maybe this guy's going to come down here and say, you guys need to tighten it up a little bit. And, uh, but that's, that's not what happened at all. Uh, Jim had some great stuff to share with us and helped us grow a bit. Uh, but then you also affirmed us, and that means a ton. I really appreciate it. And thanks, Doug. It yeah. was a blast. For hooking yes. that up. Thank you, guys, Hope, yeah. for making it possible. Let's thank these guys. Now, this is only two of our global partnerships, and um, we, we love the partnerships God has brought our way. I want to encourage you when you go home today to get on our Global Hope website. It's gethope.global, gethope.global. You can find a partnership page there that will have a link to every uh, one of our partners' web pages, so you can go on their web page, see what God is doing through those ministries, see how you can pray for them regularly, see how you can support them as well. And I also want to encourage you to check out our trips page. Um, we're starting to populate that page with the, the trip opportunities for 2017. So begin to pray if God would have you be a part of one of these Global Hope trips in 2017. So make sure as you leave today that you stop by one of their tables or both of their tables. There's a Sneaka table, a Water for Good table. We also have the Mud Love guys back with us again this weekend. Mud Love is a couple of really missional young business guys who had this idea to start making these cool breaks bracelets and really cool clay mugs and so on and through that business to help support Jim and what's happening over in the CAR. So uh, stop by their table and pick something up to help support clean water projects. And as we close, I just want to challenge you guys one more time. Who is that one person that God has brought in your life for his purpose and go for it?
Go for it. Do something this week to engage them, to invite them into this journey or into a deeper journey. And then I also want to challenge you globally, how is God asking you to get more involved? Through prayer, through support, through going? Because God has given us incredible opportunities to reach the triangle and change the world for his glory. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you that you are good. Good, so good. You're a good, good father. And when we had strayed away from you through our sinfulness, you made a way through Jesus, through your sacrifice, Jesus, to, to be reunited in relationship with our God. God, give us a conviction that you truly are the hope of the world. And Lord, let us live according to that conviction, but not live under guilt or fear or shame. But Lord, see the opportunities that you have invited us into to partner with you, to mission with you. And God, we thank you, thank you, thank you for how you are blessing our church, Hope Community Church, how you are allowing us to be a blessing here in the triangle and around the world. And God, we pray that you will continue to pour out your favor and blessing upon our church, but that you will always receive all the glory because it's your work. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen.